Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'd like to take a second to shout out the network that helps distribute our show. And that show is Steelers Outpost. And that network, Armchair Media, baby. Armchair is a collection of over 50 podcasts, including ours, that's trying to localize the sports world a little bit more. Because, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, Colin Coward. No offense to Colin Coward. I'm just using a, a national media name. I think it was uh, actually Stephen A. Smith who we support due to the fact that he's a Steelers fan. And, you know, when you're looking at Stephen A. Smith or these – these uh, national media dudes, and if you're looking for specialized football content and you get mad at them when they don't give it to you, then that's your fault because that's not what they're there for. They're there to make some noise and, and have some fun that way. But I do think he thought Heath Miller was going to be like a key player in, in a playoff game two years ago after Heath had long been retired, or maybe it was Vance McDonald or Nick Vanette, or I can't even remember what it was, but somebody who wasn't even on the Steelers team anymore, and they were talking about that. Well, guess when that doesn't happen? It doesn't happen when you're listening to localized sports coverage Steelers outposts stuff like that armchair is the king of localizing that sports world and starting June 1 bet online will serve as the title sponsor for armchair and that will include our show that was a little bit of a clunky uh, sentence there but here we are that will open up the possibility to develop merchandise lines as well as potentially host live events once we return to a semblance of normalcy. Dad, it's a bummer. We were planning on training camp this year. I don't know if it's going to happen, but we'll see what happens in the future, and Bet Online is going to help make that easier for us. In addition to Bet Online coming aboard, Armchair will now serve as the host network for the world's largest skateboarding podcast, The Nine Club, hosted by professional skaters Chris Roberts and Kelly Hart. The Nine Club talks every week about skateboarding with the biggest names in skating. And by the way, I think they're reissuing Tony Hawk's Pro Skaters 1 and 2 with remastered soundtracks, same songs, same classic soundtracks, new, hot, fresh graphics? I don't know. To see more, search Armchair wherever you get your pods. Also, check us out on Armchair's website, armchairmedianetwork.com, and their social channels are Armchair Media. Those who can do, do. Those who can't, hashtag take a seat. Excessively compulsive cleaning crew sanitizing an assisted living facility during the coronavirus epidemic. We have sourced our sources, scoured our sources to find the few microbes of Steeler news that have emerged over the last week. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is May 31st, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios at the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Hey, um, we ought to get a crossover episodes with our Pirates brothers on Armchair Media. We, we should get an, a crossover with them. I don't know how they're feeling right now. There's so much turmoil in this 
baseball world, it seems like baseball is going to be the odd man out in terms of professional sports making a comeback from Corona because they're still on the fence, right? I know hockey is trying to get back for the playoffs with an expanded playoffs. They're going to, I think they're only going to use two sites uh, for games to play or for teams to play games. I don't know what the NBA's plan is, uh, but I do know that baseball is having some turmoil, huh? Yeah. Who cares? It's baseball. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I guess we're not going to have that crossover me. anyways. Well, that's okay. We can, uh, we can talk about Stargell and uh, you know, some of the good old days. But, but why can't they bring Kutch back? Just get him back. I'm, I'm so ill-informed about the, the Pirates these days, but it just seems like the, the strategy is just get rid of your best player. As soon as he starts getting hot. It's a frustrating strategy, and it does seem like the more dedicated baseball fans, some of our listeners may be some of those dedicated baseball fans, uh, they've been pretty frustrated with the ownership in regards to that exact strategy that you have outlined. Some sort of intentional losing, intentional jettisoning, 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 wow, of talent there. Yeah, pretty frustrating. Uh, But that did make me think of something. Oh, yeah, just in regards to those leagues coming back, certain leagues are you know, going to have to make changes. It seems more and more likely now with all the news coming out that the NFL is like definitively playing all the games. They're going to go back to schedule. The only question is, are they going to have fans in the stands? And we've talked about this before, you know, Bergunsliga, I don't know how to say it, but the German soccer league, they recently played some games in which they had no fans in the stadium. And on the broadcast, they actually pumped in crowd noise which sounds like the cringiest, cheesiest, tackiest thing you could do. But according to eyewitness and earwitness reports, apparently it wasn't that weird. Um, it actually was, it seemed pretty natural uh, watching the television copy. And the NFL has recently reached out to none other than John Madden to get some opinions on whether pumping in fake crowd noise or not could be a good idea. I do it all day long. Even, but even if you can get a quarter of the number of fans in the stadium, I still think you'll maybe what they should do is play in the stadiums the XFL was playing at because those were pretty rowdy. That's true. Or, or I guess maybe you still play in the. I guess that defeats the purpose. Yeah, yeah, you're squeezing them in. <laughs> we need the big, uh, we need the big stadiums with the people spread out. I guess. But John Madden had an interesting reply to this. Uh, he said that no, they should not pump in crowd noise because the NFL is going to get a huge opportunity to hear things that they've never heard before on television. And while part of my brain loves that idea, the other part of my brain laughs hysterically. Like, I don't think they can legally broadcast the things that you are speaking about. I think John Madden may be talking about strategy. I think what we end up hearing is just a lot of uh, bleeps. No, I mean... I'll go back to my XFL. That was a better example that you were able to hear so much. They mic'd up everything. Remember when they were doing the graphics on top of the on top of the replays, yeah. so you knew who the X receiver was. I mean, there's a way to do that with with or without crowd noise. Yeah, and and I'm half joking there because I do agree with you. That's the thing about football is it's by far the most complicated game. And, you know, if you're talking with a basket, uh, you know, diehard basketball fan, and we love basketball, or you're talking with a die, diehard soccer fan or something like that some people take weird offense to that it's not that i'm saying the other games are simple and dumb and and worse i'm not saying that but uh just from the the rules of the game you know the strategy of football is is so much more it's just no other game has it you know basketball lacrosse soccer they're free-flowing games there's of course strategy but you're you're 
feeling the game out. You're not making it up as you go along, but you know what I mean? There's an improvisational element to it even more than the NFL, whereas the specialization of positions, the fact that it's start-stop, you know, the play actually stops after every play uh, just causes for far more strategy. And I think that it's interesting that football is the most popular game because obviously it's the most compelling, but I do feel like most people don't know what they're watching, honestly. That's why the quarterback gets every ounce of the credit when a team wins and every ounce of the blame when they lose. Like, for instance, I was tweeting about Eli Manning on, on Twitter this week because someone was comparing him to Tony Romo. And if, if you've watched football, I, I don't even think they're in the same class. I mean, Tony Romo is a far superior quarterback. He was able to create things on his own uh, if the line wasn't good or if they didn't have a ton of great skill position players. And he was just a better baller that way. But he has no chance of going into the Hall of Fame because he didn't have the postseason success. Eli Manning will go in, and I say he deserves to go in as an American hero who helped vanquish the Dark Empire twice in the Super Bowl. But it is funny how he gets all the credit for those Super Bowl wins over the Patriots when really the the credit goes to the defensive line. We know that those Giants teams were made off of a defensive game plan and a defensive rush, and that Eli Manning played very well, and he was incredibly clutch, but... If you give him all the credit, it sort of insinuates that there's no other quarterbacks in the league who, have, who could have won those games when probably 10 other guys could have done it. Now, what I, that's a roundabout way of me getting back to what we were talking about in terms of strategy is football just gets more and more fun to watch the more you know about it and the more you realize this defensive lineman is affecting the way that this linebacker is playing and so on and so forth. And if you could get some of that discussion or some of those diagrams on the field, it could be a lot more fun. Yeah, that's what makes it frustrating because your average fan, me included, is like I go ballistic over a blown play and I'm looking at the wrong guy because right. you just don't know what the play was and who was supposed to cover, et cetera. So it would be great if they would show us after the fact what was as far as they could tell what was supposed to happen there. I, and like even even Roma doesn't need to have access to the play to know generally what was supposed to happen. I mean, a good announcer, a good uh, analyst can do that for you. Just label the guys. Right, but we've seen like just a few people like Romo or like John Madden was who, who are really able to express that to audiences. So maybe some of those XFL features like you were talking about would be really helpful. I think um, – did we talk – I think we did talk a little bit about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady's golf game you know, with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson last week. I think that's sort of spraying some extra conversation because, you know, Tom Brady had an earpiece in the entire time and he was able to talk to Charles Barkley, one of the most entertaining commentators, you know, on the national scene, obviously a basketball guy, but he was trash talking Tom Brady the whole time. They were trying to make $10,000 bets on putts and stuff like that. And it was awesome. Like we want to hear the trash talk. There's almost part of me. I mean, you, you obviously can't do like an explicit uh, version. It's not like you could pay more for an explicit package, which would be awesome. But I would love to hear the actual trash talk that these people are are saying to each other. I would love to hear what Vinny Williams is saying uh, to some Browns loser who's probably going to try and, you know, anyway, so on and so forth. Jalen Ramsey, I can only imagine the things he says to get in people's heads. I mean, he made, who was the... Everybody attacks him. He's the most annoying person on the planet. But that would just be really awesome. It's, it's not going to happen. I don't think there's any way. The NFL coaches are so scared of people finding their place. Some of them cover their mouths with a clipboard, right? And then also the NFL being scared of any sort of scandal, when you, whether you're talking about language or, or some 
you know, who knows if there's some sort of more serious incident or words that are said on the field. There's no way they're going to let it happen, but I wish it would. So the owners had a meeting, had a virtual meeting, and made some rule changes. And I think you alluded to this, even though the decision hadn't been made, uh, revolved around the onside kick rule. They did not decline this, by the way. This was tabled. But the alternative was to give a scoring team, whether it was behind in the total score or not, uh, the ball at their fourth and 15 at their own 25. Uh, one shot, untimed down, and if they failed, the opponent would take the ball at the, at the kicking team's, sorry, 25. what do we call them? 25. Yeah, and then the game ends. So Art Rooney said um, they definitely are interested in doing something to allow a team that's trailing late in the game to come back, a realistic change, because the onside kicks are... You know, the success rate in onside kicks is almost non-existent now. Yeah, since they changed and the rule, particularly. The, you know, you're not allowed to, the, your, your kickoff team is not allowed to run towards the ball at the same time as the kicker anymore, as of the past two years. So that makes it almost impossible to recover an onside kick when the kicker has to make contact with the ball before your guys can even run. So that's, that's why the onside kick has gone from a very low percentage to almost zero. This goes back to something I was saying. I, I'm tired of the I'm tired of extra point too. I mean, if we're talking about plays in the game that really have no chance of success or non-success, I guess we could call it point after. Well, they did change the point after. I, I will I'll say it's gotten a little better. Yeah. But um, I guess what the owner said they're opening, like I said, to changing. But Coach Tomlin and I just didn't like the idea. It's a bit gimmicky. What do you think they mean by gimmicky? Um, I don't, I guess, you know, the, the NFL's rules don't change very often. So when he says gimmicky, I almost think he's just referring to change. You know, the NFL is <laughs> resistant to change in that way. And, and there has never been an extra play that, you know, it seems like that college football rule where they line up at the 20 or the 25 and everybody gets a couple of chances. It, it seems odd, whether as the NFL never changes the flow of a game, like, you know, you score, you kick an extra point, you go for two, and then you have to give the ball to the other team. That's never really changed, you know, in, in, in modern history. So this would be a pretty large, um, just even visually it would be a weird change. And we're talking about the game being complicated for fans. Like, think about if you walked in, to a game like while somebody was going for that onside kick situation or you wouldn't understand or maybe they scored the tying touchdown and then you see like wait why are they getting the ball back again so maybe that's what he refers to although of course there's easy ways to make that apparent for the audience what's happening i think um i think you make a good point about the gimmicky meaning any change any kind of fundamental football change this is uh what what was compelling for me is when i read that fourth and 15 is successful I don't know, it's like 28% of the time. Really? This is a big number. Okay. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm going to go research that. But I, that's what I heard during um, listening to another podcast. And I think that's the number, which is too high. Way too high. I think I think 10%. I'll just throw it out there. I think 10% success ratio. You know, long shot, yes, not impossible. I think today, as you're pointing out, it's almost impossible. Okay, so actually, I think I'm changing my mind on some of the gimmicky uh, aspect as well because I think I said this last week, but I'm doubling down on it. I, I hate the 4th and 15 rule. Absolutely hate it. And if that's really the percentage of success, if it's around 30%, then that's, that's shocking because I thought it would be much lower. And by the way, that's 30% 
with all the crap teams with Mitchell Trubisky or Mason Rudolph trying to convert a fifth, fourth and 15. Like, no, it might not be. Are, you don't know that. You don't know that because they might not attempt it. You may just be looking at a sample of teams that are attempting it where they wouldn't give the ball to Mitch Trubisky. Well, well, here's what I'm saying. The, the, I'm if, if the NFL-wide average for 4th and 15 is whatever, 20%, 30%, that includes all teams. What I'm, the, the point I'm trying to get at is, like, I think that if you make a 4th and 15, it's going to take the top offensive teams and give them a disproportionately huge advantage because I think Patrick Mahomes could convert a 4th and 15 close to 40-plus percent of the time, honestly, because on 4th and 15, you have, and from your own 25, you have nothing to lose. Like, you can do any kind of crazy play. You can throw it deep. You can throw it middle. You can lateral. You don't have to worry about an interception because if you don't convert, the game's over. Also, the defense has to cover the entire field. They have to worry about short catch and run, mid-range over the middle, or deep balls. And I think there are teams like uh, the Ravens or the Chiefs or the Saints or, you know, hell, the Steelers. Maybe we should be rooting for it if, if Ben returns to form. Those are some teams who I think could convert that at a much higher rate than they could ever recover an onside kick, even with the old rules. So my alternatives would be this. I have two. One, I would say fourth and 25. Make, it's got to be a miracle. Or fourth and tw- at least fourth and 20. Like this has got to – like the onside kick was never – a high percentage thing, even before they change the rules, because you have to try and win the damn game, right? So we shouldn't like give you a disproportionate advantage at the very end because you're losing just because we want to see people catch up. You still have to earn it, and it still should be a borderline miracle play to, to make it happen. Like when the Seahawks recovered the onside kick in the AFC championship game against the Packers or the NFC championship game, like this is a miracle. It's one of the greatest games we've ever seen. Them making a furious comeback, the chances of them recovering that onside kick are almost nothing. So I'd like to see a farther distance or, and this might be a little bit more complicated. I would like to see fourth and 15 from the, or fourth and goal from the fifteen. Because I think it's much harder to score a touchdown in one play from the 15-yard line than it is to gain 15 yards in the middle of the field. Because if you're at the 15-yard line, the defense doesn't have to worry about the deep ball. They can really just make sure you don't get in the end zone. And that's much more difficult for me, and that seems much more fair. And maybe what would happen, like, okay, so you would score. Let's say you're down by 10, right? There's 30 seconds left. You score a touchdown, kick the extra point, you're down by 7. Now you would like, like, hey, I want to do the new onside kick i want to get the ball back so they give you the ball again at the 15 yard line fourth and goal from the 15 and let's say you you throw it you get into the end zone boom then at that point they would give you the ball in your own 25 yard line or something and then you would start your start your drive from there it was basically like you have to score again to to earn a possession that to me makes more sense yeah you just got really gimmicky for me (laughs) talk about complexity Right. And that's and honestly that's a fair point. Like but but why do you think that I don't think I also think maybe you're falling into what Rooney and the old owners fell into. Like, is it that weird? Like you score, extra point. Okay, we want the ball back. Okay, one play from the fifteen, we scored again, but now we have the ball back. You know, you could have a situation where you coin flip again, but if you lose well, if you're behind you'll take the risk. 
if you lose, you have to kill one of your players. <laughs> that, I was gonna say 50, at first, I was like, "That's a great idea," and then I was like, "Wait, that's a that's fifty percent, isn't it?" Like that. That's well. Uh, it's easy to bet if you're not going to lose anything, right? So sure, we'll go. We'll get heads. Ah, oh, you didn't get it. You, okay, you, you weren't going to get the ball anyway. Right. You're still not going to get the ball. But if you have to do a human sacrifice, yeah. So, and maybe we'll go a little short of human sacrifice. We'll actually say your quarterback has to set out the first quarter of next game. That's brilliant, and that's not gimmicky at all. But I love it. <laughs> so there were some other rule well, changes. What do you think? What do you think that they should oh. do? Because this onside kick can't keep going the way it goes. I don't think you should just... I know that they're trying to get a way for people to make it back in the, in, in the end of the game when they're out of it. And I think the onside kick was always there as a sort of miracle opportunity. And it would happen sometimes. So I think the new rule would have to reflect another miracle opportunity. I don't want some sort of unfair rule where there's like a... It gives you a disproportionate advantage of like... I, don't, I think that that taints the game a little bit if you're making it too easy. Like, okay, well, now you're about to lose, and we'd like to get uh, viewership, and we'd like to score more points, so we're going to make it easy for you to get the ball back again. It's like, I don't know if you're playing the computer I, I could, Madden, you change to the other team. And Look, if the problem was that 4th and 15 wasn't challenging enough, just to open it up like you said. Make it 4th and 20, 4th and 25. That, that could be one alternative. Yeah. You know, when you think about they're trying to give you a three-point shot in some way. Yeah. They did do that with the extra point, though, didn't they? One, two, or three points. Well, in depending the, in on the, where you're in the XFL, right? No, no, that, oh, was, that was the XFL. That was, for, that was AAF. I don't know. It was one of those. That was crap the XFL. Leagues. Yeah, or it was one of those two leagues, but it wasn't. Um, yeah, it wasn't a field goal. It was you could you could go from like the five, from like the two, the ten, or the fifteen, or something. Yeah, I don't like that rule either. I think that that's a little goofy. I, don't, I mean, I guess I don't hate it because to get three points, like, again, like I said, fourth and goal from, like, the 15-yard line, that's really hard. If you can get that, then sort of more power to you. They're, they're all football plays. They're not, you know, they're not some squirrely thing like college does. Right. Like you were pointing out. Yeah. Just line them up and you get one shot at the. Yeah. No, no, I agree with you. They are all football plays, and I think that's what the NFL was trying to do when they moved the extra point back. I don't know why they thought that that – like moving the extra point back to a 30-yard field goal, why they thought that would encourage people to go for two points more. Like you'd have to move the field goal back to like for like a 40-yard field goal because 30 yards is still like a 90% shot, and NFL coaches are so conservative. Um, it's interesting. So they actually took, took a pointless play away, the old extra point, and then put, but put more focus on the kickers instead of the offenses and defense, ironically, with the 30-yard field goal. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know about all that. but Maybe it just didn't work the way they thought it would. I think that they should have. I, I could have told you that. I don't know. We might have to check the old archives, but, I, I, you know, I, to, yeah, even you know if I'm a coach, like, I'll, I'll take the 90% one over the 40% or whatever the two-yard line is. Well, you need to know those numbers. They're freely available. We don't know them. We don't. I'm just suggesting if you find out that the percentage for success is not that much lower for two point, you know, you should be going for two points. I don't know because I think, and I think coaches have realized this, the percentages are not super reliable on two point conversions because if they become a reg, like if they become a regular thing, the percentages I think will. I don't know. I guess that's true. They'll dip because you only have a certain amount of play. It's hard to score from the two-yard line, you know? That's why I go for two from the 30. There you go. Now we're throwing bombs. 
We have the bomb available at that point. I'm throwing it short and hook and laddering on my way to the end zone. See, that's what I'm doing on the fourth and fifteen on time down. It's hook and ladder every time. Well, let's let's ask our listeners if you have any ideas about how you would, if you would, try to give a team a chance to come back at the end of a game. What would how would you do it? Brave. I'd like to hear some other ideas. Braveheart. I want to race. Talk about it. The two fastest players in a hundred yard dash. Talk about an inscrutable game. Lacrosse was uninteresting to me until we were like five years into it, and I can understand what a slash was. <laughs> yeah, just the same as hockey. It's a complicated when you first, first watch it, but then once you get it, it, you can never remember it being complicated. You know, so people get used to whatever. So there were some other rule changes. Um, so they are no longer going to review the called or uncalled pass interference penalties. No longer reviewable. How much does that piss you off? Because it makes me furious that every single person in the American public, every person that didn't work for the NFL, told them that this was a terrible idea with a knee-jerk reaction to a a one-in-a-million occurrence that happened with the Saints and the Rams. And here's the problem is like, oh, when that happens with the Saints and the Rams, you need some way to correct it. You're probably right, but you picked a way that's going to create more Saints and Rams plays, which it did this year. Steelers got screwed against the Seahawks on that play in the second game of the season on a crappy review pass interference call. And uh, it's just so – Dad, how can this happen? Like, they, I don't even think this is armchair quarterbacking. It just reminds me of how they handled Brady's deflate gate, how they handled Ray Rice's whole thing and being reactionary that way. And then this stupid rule change when there are these obvious moves to be made, or at least like even if we don't know what the solution was to be made for the pass interference issue, I think everybody agreed that what they picked was not the good solution. How does the NFL insulate themselves so well that they always make the wrong decision on those things? Nicholas, 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 Mm. the NFL is just a hot, bright microcosm of the socio-political environment in which you live. Look at all the people that come down and the reactions to people on Twitter, whether they are actors, politicians, the knee-jerk reactions to the crowd. Um, You can just count on those, that they're going to have a knee-jerk reaction without thinking through it because of the politics and the optics of a situation. And often... They don't have the cool hand on the tiller to see their way through, analyze the situation, and come up with the right answer. Their reaction. Reactionary. Right, the reactionary. And I get wanting to change a rule after the Saints debacle, but the Sky Judge seems like the best rule for everybody, right? Like, you're able to have someone in, 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 in New York... And one guy for every game who gets to watch these things and, and stop the game if there's a major obvious flub that pretty much 99 out of 100 people would have admitted in that Saints-Rams game. But I uh, um, I just uh, – so frustrating. I mean, thank goodness they changed it. But they didn't uh, agree to a sky judge or anything like that, so they don't really have – it's kind of just back to normal this year. Right? Yeah. They didn't implement so. anything new. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad, like, you don't need to be challenging pass interference. We've had this conversation every week for the whole last year. You know, it's just too subjective that way, and especially when you put it into slow motion. So I'm glad that that's out. Uh, The world survived without being able to challenge it for a long time. I don't know. 
So there are a couple there are a couple innocuous changes. One is that the bylaws allow you to bring three rather than two players back from injured reserve. This one is really going to be important. They made permanent the expansion of automatic replay reviews for either successful or unsuccessful point after point after scoring attempts, which means all successful, unsuccessful, all point after try attempts are now reviewable. Gotcha. Well, they automatically review them, you said, like a turnover or a touchdown. Yes. Yeah, that probably makes sense, right? If they're doing it for touchdowns, you probably probably should do it for extra points. Um, Expanded the defenseless player protection for kickoffs and punts. Good. Probably good. All right, moving on. Um, This one, I was trying to think of some examples. Teams are prevented from manipulating the game clock. By committing multiple oh, dead ball fouls. Yeah, the Belichick thing where he ran the clock out against the Jets a couple years ago and kind of bragged about it in um, the post-game press conference and said that the NFL probably needed to change this rule. And then Mike Vrabel did it to Belichick in the playoffs this past year. So that was a foregone conclusion. They knew they would change it. But it is a nice little footnote in NFL history that way. And finally, uh we were talking last week about the changes in the in the Rooney rule and right. potentially incentivizing teams by giving them extra draft picks. Uh, that was not discussed. Yeah, I don't know if so there's there going to be it. many rule changes right now with the Corona Zoom meeting situations going on either way. So, You know what? And you, you have to believe this is not a good year to make significant changes. No, when I agree. The potential for having a very trunca- having a truncated preseason um, and camp is just too great. Yeah. Hey, so you read this thing about Deontay Johnson still is not cleared from his sports hernia surgery. Yeah. Is that a story or is that just, Hey, we need to, you know, he didn't, somebody didn't check a box and Deontay's still at risk for this season. I think it's more just surprising that we found out that he was playing with a sports hernia since week two of the NFL season when he burst on the scene. I think that week two is the Seahawks, right? When he made that crazy one-handed catch on Mason Rudolph's first pass, which was seven feet wide of him. And everyone's like, look at him. He's going in there. He's slinging it. (laughs) Deontay Johnson gumbies the thing. Spider-Man's the thing. Uh, So you see this a lot of time with NFL players, though. So this isn't the craziest thing in the world, hearing somebody played the entire season with an injury. Uh, Ryan Switzer played the whole year with an injury, and I guess it does show you the different type of athletes that these guys really are, but at a sports hernia, man, that's insane. Deontay Johnson, I think we've all kind of settled on the opinion that if he's not a star this year, we'd almost be disappointed. I mean, it just has all the writing on the wall of this guy being a stud. He can do everything. I mean, he makes people miss in the open field. He's an all-pro punt returner. Uh, maybe he didn't totally deserve that designation last year, but he definitely has the talent for it, and especially if you give him a whole year of returning. He can catch deep. He can catch short. He's a phenomenal route runner. He's got good hands. Um, but, damn, he did that all as a rookie with uh, basically rookie quarterbacks, and with a sports hernia, I think my expectations just got even higher. All eyes on Toledo, the factor, the football factory. The Rockets. Hey, so you and I were talking earlier today coming up with some stories for today's show and you brought up the idea about comparing the jacks the jacks of the storied vaunted steel steel curtain defense jack ham versus jack lambert and doing a little contrast comparison right well where'd that come from well i saw a tweet from our buddy derek the kid on twitter 
saying something about, let's see if I can find it. Uh, it's not in here. But either way, he was talking to, he, he put some film up of Jack Ham and just said that this is probably one of the most underrated linebackers in NFL history. What an absolute beast. You know, people who know about Jack Ham knows that he was one of the kind of first versatile sideline-to-sideline speed linebackers. Tony Dungy said that he's the greatest outside linebacker he's ever seen. He would know. He had a front-row seat, that steel curtain defense. But Derek was saying he's really underrated, and I had responded saying, I uh, honestly, in all sincerity, think the reason why Jack Ham is so underrated is just because Jack Lambert is so famous and so iconic. Like, that picture of Jack Lambert with, with the teeth... That might be the reason why Jack Ham doesn't get enough love because I think the the public at large only has enough brain space for one famous Jack linebacker from the Steel Curtain because this guy was probably they were probably just as good as each other honestly. Well, it's funny that uh, Jack Ham got a jump on him and he he came out of the gate hard. He had seven interceptions in his second season. He's a linebacker. Plus, he's got the movie star good looks. That's right. Um. I did a compare. I did a side by side, and it's amazing. These guys could be twins. They were both drafted in the second round, and when you look at, I mean, unfortunately, there weren't a there weren't a ton of defensive statistics tracked back then. Like I don't know what the tackles or, or sacks or anything like that were, but um, they both played. I mean, Ham had a couple more seasons. So what? Ham went twelve years, and Lambert was eleven. So almost the same kind of career. Ham had 32 interceptions to Lambert's 28. Ham did score two touchdowns, an interception and a fumble return. Uh, but everything nice. else is like, if you, um, so by the, so I guess a sub- subjective measure, they both were all pros six times. Ham got to the Pro Bowl eight and Lambert nine times. Very, I mean, from the statistics, you could see they're very close to each other. Obviously, there's a lot of nuance beyond the numbers, right. but. I was just surprised when it went back. It was the one thing I could see that was objective. Yeah, I, 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 of course, we agree that, you know, statistics, they often lie in football. But th- those are both pretty gaudy numbers for both guys. And it is interesting that when you talk about the Steel Curtain on a national scale, the guys who really get mentioned, of course, are Mean Joe and Jack Lambert and then sometimes Mel Blunt. And Ham's right there with them. And if you're a Steelers fan, you're going to mention Ham. You're going to mention, I mean, you're going to mention a lot of guys, right? Shell and Greenwood and everybody. But either way, we need to keep this legend alive because he doesn't get the love that he gets. So I'm glad that we found a way to talk about him, at least today. I have a random story that I just found on Twitter while I was looking up uh, the conversation, which is Jaguars quarterback Joshua Dobbs is a rocket scientist the quarterback, who is also a rocket scientist, recently completed an NFLPA externship this offseason, which allowed him to work with NASA engineers. And they talked about um, how he gained his degree, aerospace engineering degree. We already know that from Tennessee, blah, blah, blah. And it looks like Josh Dobbs tweeted out 21 hours ago, Mission success. Today, Americans return to space from Florida's Space Coast for first time in nine years. What a tremendous honor to have been here. Cohesive team can accomplish anything. Congrats to NASA, SpaceX, NASA Kennedy, and all involved in today's historical mission. Godspeed. And what you hear there is uh, the sound of the crowd from his video. But that's pretty cool. Josh Dobbs getting closer to that. Well, I was going to get really loud on the mic, so I, I stopped, but... Good for Josh Dobbs. I mean, 
I don't think either one of us think he has a, a big career going in the NFL. It, make, it hurts me to say that, but wouldn't it be awesome if he played a few years in the NFL and then became an actual rocket science Ryan's rocket scientist? It's, Could you imagine? Hey, he's yeah. on pace if he's already doing some work with him. Oh, by the way, I played a little. F- I played a little football oh, yeah. in my day. Took the pig's pig skin a couple times. Uh, this guy named Antonio Brown. No, no, not the murder. Well, yeah, no, no, yeah, the murderer. Yeah, by that point. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just a little um, public service announcement. Scott Peterson's the CEO of the Positive Athlete. He reached out to ask out to us, asking us to promote a video that his organization did with Heinz Ward, who's the organization's uh, spokesperson. His the video is listed as uh, lessons in positivity. You got to give it a check. Give it a check. I will put a link on the website so you could look always. at it. It's always good to see oh, Heinz smiling, telling a little bit about his story, telling his story. I got picked on in Korea. American NFL player. Yep. Exactly. All right, so I see very few milestones this week, so we're going to have to fabricate. I mean, we're going to have to really scour some more for the next Steelers story for next week, but we will have it. We will. Plus, we'll be writing the script for the next Instagram story when we get to the beach in three weeks. Visit us on the website, SteelersOutpost.com. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like Forge FX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.